Welcome to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Casso, travel and brand photographer and the founder of Caitlin Casso Creations, where I share other women's stories through my photographs and now this podcast. Inspired by Her Story is a podcast dedicated to inspiring, motivating, encouraging, and empowering women to get out of their comfort zones and follow their dreams. Whether it's owning their own business, experiencing something new, or making a major life change, I want to encourage other women to follow their dreams and live their lives to the fullest. Throughout this podcast, I will be sharing my own stories and those of inspirational women with hopes to let souls connect and adventures to unwind. Follow along as I take you with me during my travels, experiences, and encounters with these amazing women. Have you been wanting to start your own podcast but don't know where to begin? Do you feel like you have a message you want to share with the world and want to show up professionally? Well, I have just the thing for you. I recently launched my How to Create a Podcast course where you can learn everything from creating podcasts and episode topics, naming a podcast and its episodes, recording, editing, and uploading and distributing, as well as two bonus topics of marketing a podcast and finding guests. Whoa, literally, this is everything I wish I had before I started a podcast. That's why I decided to create this course so I could give others, like yourself, the opportunity to learn everything you need to know about starting a podcast all in one place. Long gone are the days of searching through a million articles in order to launch your podcast. I'll take you behind the scenes so you can see everything I do each week while putting my Inspired by Her Story podcast together. So click the link in the show notes or go to CaitlinCasso.com and click on courses to find out more. Today on Inspired by Her Story is Margaret Ward. Margaret is a mother of four, a multiple marathon finisher, a retired Chardonnay drinker, a life and sobriety coach, former lawyer and owner of Recovery Run Adventures. She's been featured in Trail Runner Magazine and her main passions besides her kids is finding adventure through traveling and running around the world. During this episode, Margaret talks more about her journey with alcohol and how she decided to give it up. Like once I was introduced to to Chardonnay, it was like, that was my drink, you know? And it became, and it was a slow burn. It didn't happen overnight. Like it took years and years for me to realize that it was becoming an issue how her love of running and traveling created her business, Recovery Run Adventures. And then I also had this crazy idea that, you know, my passions are travel and running and they've even like become more so now that I I stopped drinking. And I had this one experience in Copenhagen, like I have this crazy new addiction. Well, it's not a new addiction. I've always done it of like trying to find like the lowest airfares I possibly can to places. And I found this one to Copenhagen and there was a half marathon taking place the weekend that I found this, like I happened to find this this flight to. And how giving up drinking helped her connect more with herself. I mean, I think a lot of us just go through the day, day, you know, just doing the same thing over and over. And I mean, it's it's how we're set up to live, but but we don't get to like really take time to ask ourselves these questions. Like you said, like what's important to me? Like what do I like? Let's hear more about her journey. Welcome to the podcast, Margaret. Thanks for having me. We finally are connecting after like months of of back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. I think the first time I talked to you was back in February, I think, because it was before I was moving and going to Sedona. And I remember I was talking to you about that also. Um, And so I'm so excited to finally do this with you now and talk about traveling and your business and everything. And I'm so excited. Um, so actually, you know, we'll even just start off from there. And if you could just kind of share with everybody a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So my name is Margaret. I live here in Connecticut, uh, same state as you. It turns out that we're in the same state. Mm -hmm. Um, I have four kids. I've been married for 27 years. Um, this past year I started my own business. It's called Recovery Run Adventures. Before that, I was educated as a lawyer. My husband and I have our own law firm, um, but I was really a stay-at-home mom and just practiced part-time um, over the past, you know, 20, 28 years or whatever. Um, yeah, so let's, I think that's that's about who I am. Yeah. I'm a, 
I totally am into traveling and running. Um, love my dog. Yeah, I think that sums me up pretty well. Yeah, awesome. And I'm so excited to talk about traveling. I feel like I've been kind of itching to talk about traveling also, but I especially, I got excited when I found out more about you and your business and everything too, because it has a good mix of traveling, but then also being a business owner as well. So I love having that mix um, and being able to share kind of both sides of it on the podcast too. Um, so if you could even share a little bit more about your journey and how it is that you got to where you are today. Yeah. Okay. That's a bigger story, right? <laughs> uh, so let's see, where should I start? Um, so I, I'll start at the beginning. So I was born in Scotland. I'm the youngest of six kids. Um, both of my parents, well, more so my mom was, I think she had that, that wanderlust gene. Um, so it took my, them overseas to Scotland where my dad was a professor. He was um, an electrical engineer and taught over at the university there for a while. My mom and him got married and right before she, she had a semester left of uh, nursing school that she was doing in Scotland. And so she ended up leaving that and um, they got married a month after they met, which is still crazy. Um, but anyway, so, so we lived in Scotland for a while and we moved around a lot when I was little. Um, we moved from Scotland to England and then back to the States to upstate New York and Colorado before we finally settled in Connecticut when I was in third grade. And I think um, that was really tough, I think. And I think that that started this feeling in me of like never really having um, a community and connecting. I thought it was I, a great that I could always you know, fit in wherever I went. But looking back, it, there really was this disconnect I had all the time, you know, not really feeling like I fit in anywhere. But um, I, I had a great childhood. Like I said, my parents were, were awesome. We had a, a great, they were, had a, we had a great um, uh, like garden that we had and a pool and it was a, it was a great childhood. Um, so, uh, so then up, we lived in Connecticut until I was about in high school. And then my sophomore year of high school, I transferred to a new school. And then I went to, decided to study abroad. My sister had found this program called American Field Service. And she went to Greece for the summer. And I was like, oh man, that sounds amazing. I want to do it, but I want to do it for a year. And um, so, you know, I applied to it and I ended up going to Quebec to this tiny little um, village in Quebec called Pointe-Gamook, which I still love saying because that sounds so cool, Pointe-Gamook. But it was this tiny little village and um, I forget the amount of people that lived there. I mean, very, very small, right up on the, near the Gaspé Peninsula, super cold. So I was thrown into this um, situation my junior year of high school where, you know, nobody spoke English. Um, and it was a great experience, um, but also where I think a lot of my drinking started because it was a small town where, you know, that's what they did. They drank a lot. And so, so there was a lot of drinking that took place that year. And then when I came back home after the year, I, um, and there was a lot of home homesickness, like, you know, it was, I was young. I was 15 years old. I turned 16 while I was there. And I didn't realize like the idea of travel sounded really good, but when you're actually, you know, thrown into it away from your home, it can be really isolating and lonely, especially when you don't speak the language. Um, my dog died that year I was there, which was really tough being away from home, but, but it was a great experience, you know, and I came home and when I came home the high school that I'd gone to my sophomore year had closed down. It was a small all girls Catholic school. And at the time, you know, those, those schools were just going out of business. So it closed down. So they offered me um, the opportunity to go straight to college, which of course I took, you know. I, so I went from uh, going to one high school my freshman year to another high school my sophomore year to going and studying abroad my junior year, you know, with the schooling all in French. So I don't know how much I really learned that year um, to then going straight to college. And, and to be honest, I was too young, you know, to go away. I wasn't prepared to go away to college. And so I was thrown right into the college scene where again, there's, you know, it's a lot of drinking. Um, and, I, and I still had this feeling of really not, not, um, not fitting in, 
you know, I always had this sense of, of not really having a, a group of people I fit into. And so here again, I felt like uh, kind of the outsider, like I didn't have a normal high school experience and then getting thrown into, you know, college that I hadn't really picked for myself, but it was kind of just thrown at me. And so I got in with, um, you know, a big partying crowd. And so there was a lot of drinking and I maintained good grades. I always did well in school. Um, so that was never an issue. But again, so, so then, then I started, you know, in the same pattern of, I spent my freshman year at a, a local school here in Connecticut that had accepted me, um, you know, early. And then I transferred to another college. Uh, and then again, my junior year, I decided to transfer yet again. So, so my high school and college were a lot of moving around. And again, never, you know, there's this theme of like never finding my, my group you know? And so that led to a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of, I'm trying to think of how to, to phrase it, a lot of poor choices to deal with those feelings of, of loneliness and, you know, isolation. Um, and it was a lot of binge drinking. It wasn't drinking all night. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's normal in college. You know, everybody does it. Um, but for me, the reasons why I was doing it, you know, I didn't realize them at the time, but looking back, you know, they were a lot of, because I didn't have, you know, my self-confidence and self-esteem. And so that was a way that it just really made it easy to fit in and, and not really like worry about those kinds of things. And also I didn't really worry about it because like I said, it was college, it's no big deal. And my grades were great. And so it wasn't really affecting, you know, my life too badly. Um, but it really was, you know, because right, like when we use something to, to numb and not feel, you know, it has an effect. And also at the time I was, I had an eating disorder, which, um, which I don't really talk about much, but you know, all through college I was binging and purging, which, you know, a lot of times goes hand in hand with, with drinking. Um, so I graduated college though, I ended up doing really well. Um, I majored in political science with a minor in French because I kept that up for my year in high school. Uh, and I didn't really know what to do. Like, what do you do with a political science degree? Like, I loved it, but it's like, not many big a call for politicians, right? Mm -hmm. So like the next, like I'd always said I was gonna go to law school. I'd loved reading Nancy Drew as a kid. And uh, I thought that was like a natural thing. Like if I can't be a detective, I'll just like go into law and law school. So I took a year off in between, um, high school and college and I worked at a law firm and I ended up meeting my now husband there. And that year I applied to, I was either gonna apply to law school or become a flight attendant. And I obviously decided to apply to law school. So I started law school. Um, and at the time I, my husband and I were dating. And let me tell you, like for somebody with anxiety, which I realized I had, um, law school is a tough place to be because the way they, it's called the Socratic method. It, so you you are just like put on the spot every day. So like I had this fear of, of being seen too much and, and law school just brings all those insecurities out in you. Um, so it was tough, it was tough. But I, I, I again, I love the academic challenge of law school, I really did. Um, but I did not like that uh, feeling of insecurity brought out in me like, worrying like before class like am I are you going to get called on am I going to be you know other people's judgment like I realized I was so worried about what other people were going to think if I I said the wrong thing or if I sounded stupid or I mean that's something I really had to work on um since getting sober I've worked on that a lot of like just letting go of those you know beliefs and and cares about what people think about you mm -hmm. um but anyway so so my husband and I ended up getting married um after my first year of law school and it was great. And since I met my husband, you know, the, the eating issues resolved themselves, the, the drinking resolved itself. Um, and I think because like I had found my person and um, he didn't drink much. And, you know, we had this new life where I was really like busy with school and he had just um, opened his own law practice. He had graduated, you know, was also a lawyer. So it was a really busy, great time. Um, and then my third year of law school, I became pregnant. We both wanted a family and we knew we wanted, didn't want to put that off. So my third year of law school, I became pregnant with my, my oldest son. And um, then after graduation, 
it became this new phase where um, I had kids. <laughs> I had, you know, within 10 years, we had our four kids and it was like, I call them the like golden years. They were really happy. My, we had our own law firm, you know, practice. My husband went in with a couple other partners and I was busy, you know, with the kids and I loved being a mom. Uh, I thought I was really good at it. Um, and then they started getting older, you know, and again, so like drinking was not part of my story, you know, for these years um, at all. And then I remember we were friends with um, a couple of people. And I remember going out to dinner with them. And I remember the first time that she ordered a bottle of wine and I'd never drank wine before. I had always like in college drank beer. And it was like this instantaneous, like, well, I like this. Like this feeling like, oh, this is nice. Like this feeling. And it wasn't so much I liked the taste of it, but I really loved the feeling. And I felt like like sophisticated. This was somebody that like, I thought was really like sophisticated and, and, um, and it was like off to the races after that. Like, like once I was introduced to, to Chardonnay, it was like, that was my drink, you know, and it became, and it was a slow burn. It didn't happen overnight. Like it took years and years for me to realize that it was becoming an issue. Um, but eventually, you know, my kids were in high school and it started to be this thing that I, I realized that was becoming more and more a habit. Um, you know, every night coming home and having a couple of glasses of wine and thinking about it during the day, which it was the, the strange thing. It wasn't like, um, you know, just, just doing it. It was thinking about whether or not I was going to do it during the day. And it started to take up, you know, a lot of brain space and it started becoming where I realized I, was trying to put rules around it. Like, I'm only gonna drink on the weekends and um, I'll only drink, have a glass of wine if we're going out to dinner. And I was like, this isn't, I think a normal thing that people do. You know, I don't think most people like think about it this often. And I started, you know, feeling really bad about myself if I had broken those rules. And I started realizing that I was breaking those rules a lot. Um, so it became this period of time um, where I really started looking at my drinking and how it was showing up in my life and, you know, taking breaks from it and seeing how difficult those breaks were and, and seeing how often that I would, you know, stop for 30 days and then go back and then, you know, think, oh, I can handle it. It's not that big of a deal anymore. And, and I think the whole time I was so worried about attaching this label of alcoholic to myself because of what that that brings up and again of what people would think of me about me and about having to like like I wasn't I didn't I didn't relate to what that term meant in my in my head what it meant to because I was like you know what my life is great my kids are great I'm a great mom it's not affecting me in that way it's just uh, taking up a lot of brain space you know so I, I I'm like well what does this mean I didn't know anybody who who was like that all I knew was you know, if you have an issue with drinking, you hit this rock bottom, you go to AA. And that wasn't my story. And I, I didn't have, I didn't see anyone else's story that I could relate to. So it was a really difficult time. Um, and then a couple of things happened. My mom, my mom passed away suddenly and from cancer. Um, and my husband was also diagnosed with um, Crohn's and both of those things were really difficult. And so again, you know, I was used to using alcohol as a way to numb, you know, those feelings. And so that's what I did. And so it really, really kicked, ramped up a notch, if you want to say. Um, and around that time, I, I also, I mean, I, I was also a runner. Um, so I started using running, like as a way to make me feel like, you know, this wasn't an issue. Like I started really um, raising money for, for Crohn's and colitis. So it made me feel like good about myself because I wasn't feeling good about myself because of this other thing. Um, and I was, you know, signing up for all these marathons and eventually I signed up for um, an Ironman thinking that, you know what, if I can do this thing, if I can do this great thing, then it, like, I can't have a problem. And also like, if I sign up for this thing and I have to dedicate so much time to this thing, then I won't be able to drink. Like I was looking for a way, I was looking for a third door to, like, I didn't want to quit. I didn't know how to quit. I didn't know how to stop. I didn't think it was possible like to stop because everywhere you look, like there's, there's alcohol everywhere, everything you do. 
like even at races, like you get a beer chip at the end of a freaking marathon. Like that's crazy. But like, I was like, how am I ever going to live my life the way it is now without drinking at all? So I'm like, well, okay, if I can't do that, then uh, I'll just like put these restrictions on myself, you know, so that it won't be able to get any worse, which is impossible. You know, it's just an impossible thing to do. But man, I tried, I tried really hard. So it was finally when I signed up for this um, Ironman to do, cause I'm like, like that's dedication, man. Like that takes a lot of work. Like there's no way like I could stay up drinking, you know, a bottle of wine if I have to get up at five o'clock and like go run 13 miles and then go swim a mile. I mean, but let me tell you, I managed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was possible. I did. Um, but I, anyway, so that at the time though, I was um, part of a Facebook group actually for, for triathletes. And I remember seeing a post one day and it was about a woman and she posted, you know, I'm, I think I might be drinking too much wine, like every night, like I find myself having, you know, well, uh, drinking quite often. And I'm wondering, is that something I should be concerned about? And the responses were just so ridiculous. They were like, no, you know, play hard, work hard. I mean, because people joke about it, right? It's mm -hmm. like, no, it's not a big deal. Like if your life looks fine and you're functioning, then it's not a big deal to like, you know, have a bottle of wine a night or, you know, look at, you deserve it. You work hard. But one woman responded and she's like, actually, if you're questioning it, then you know what? It is an issue and you should really look into it. And yeah, like everyone's joking about it, but you know what? Like you deserve a better answer than that. And I, I had the same issue. And if you want to reach out to me, you know, here's my website and here's my story. And she was somebody who was kind of um, known in the, the tri world. So I, I was like, holy shit. So I went and I looked at her website and she had written a blog post about her story. And it was the first time I recognized, I get emotional when I, I talk about this. Whew. But it was the first time that I recognized myself in someone else's story. And let me tell you, that's powerful. It's really powerful that you don't feel alone anymore. You feel like, you know what? I'm not going crazy. Like this is, this is happening to other women you know, and I shouldn't feel ashamed about it. And it's not my fault. And there's an answer and there's a way, you know, to get through it. So that, that started, that started my, my healing, my, my recovery journey, because after I reached out to her, she started um, a Facebook group that I became a part of called Grateful Sobriety with just a solely, solely other triathletes. And that tells you how many people are out there who are struggling because there was loads of people in this group, you know, and just triathletes who were struggling with this. And I, and I got to hear other people's stories, you know, and so it related more and like that started more healing. And then from there, like people like gave me resources to reach out to and podcasts and books. And I then from there um, found a group called She Recovers which is a group of women who believe that, you know, we're all recovering from something and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And we're here to find community and connection and help each other. And that we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be ashamed and we don't have to feel like we're broken, you know, that this, this shit happens and you know what, you can get past it. And, and um, yeah, so, so I, I stopped drinking <laughs> and then, you know what, it's as easy as that, but it's really not as easy as that because it took, you know, I considered like from when my mom passed away to when I found this group, it was a good seven years, seven years of like stopping and starting and trying and, and, and figuring this shit out. And it takes, it takes that long. And, you know, you go through the stages of change that now I know about, you know, and I was in that pre-contemplation contemplation stage for a good seven years before I finally took action. But once I took action, it really, I mean, it's simple, but it's not easy. You know, it's a really simple thing to stop drinking, but it, it, it takes a lot more. And like with anything, I mean, I, for me, it's drinking, but it's really like that with anything. Like everybody does have a thing, you know, maybe, maybe there's people who don't, but I mean, with some people it's food, with some people it's, you know, love, with some people it's shopping, like a lot of people are not taught how to self-regulate their nervous systems. And that's what I found out that, you know what? I never learned how to do that. 
I never learned. So, you know, when these uncomfortable feelings and emotions and things that, that are just life come up and we have to deal with, we reach for something, you know, and for me, I re reached for alcohol for other people, they reach for other things and we have to learn how to, how to reach for something else, you know, and we have to learn how to just be uncomfortable and sit with our own emotions, you know, and I love what Brene Brown says. She's like, you know what? You can't selectively numb. And for a lot of years, I, I was numbing like these uncomfortable, painful things, but I was also numbing the good things too. And so now when you take that away, there's this whole range of emotions that you get to experience that are freaking great, you know? So it's like, there's still life and life happens, um, but it, it happens at a much higher level, I find now. So, so going through this whole um, experience though, and realizing how important it was for me finding that person who shared their story, I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna keep quiet. I'm not gonna keep quiet because if I had read somebody's story so much earlier, who knows, you know, who knows what would have happened. And more people need to be willing to share their stories because like I said, there's no shame in it. You know, it's just life and, and we need to help each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I ended up becoming a, a recovery coach and a She Recovers designated coach for She Recovers. Um, and then I also had this crazy idea that, you know, my passions are travel and running and they've even like become more so now that I, I stopped drinking. And I had this one experience in Copenhagen, like I have this crazy new addiction. Well, it's not a new addiction. I've always done it of like trying to find like the lowest airfares I possibly can to places. And I found this one to Copenhagen and there was a half marathon taking place the weekend that I found this, like happened to find this, this flight to. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go. So, so I hopped on this plane. I went to Copenhagen. Luckily my husband, like, is like totally cool with me doing all this stuff. And my kids are older now, so I wasn't abandoning them. Um, so I went to Copenhagen by myself and to run this half marathon. And I remember showing up that morning and I got lost on the way to the, the half marathon. And I was like, oh, screw it. Like, I'm not gonna do it then. Cause I, it like still like fear, like still shows up in me. Like, you know what, it's like uncomfortable. And like, I was like, this is really strange being in this city and not knowing where to go. And even though I love traveling, it's still uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, you know, freak that. You know, I, I, I got here, I'm gonna do this. Like, so I ended up finding it. And of course I get there and nobody's speaking English. It was like this tiny, tiny little race, like just a local charity race. And everyone like has their little groups that they're huddled in. And I'm like, here we go again, the outsider. And I'm like, screw that. So I started just approaching people and I'm like, did anybody speak English? Cause I had no idea like, like where the start line was, like when it was gonna go. And I finally, you know, found a couple of people who spoke English and it went great. And it was the like most, unbelievable experience I've ever experienced like it went two loops I think around you know the downtown area of Copenhagen which is freaking beautiful and I was running next to this woman you know a local woman pretty much the whole way you know we would stop at the same water you know stops and everything and at the end of the race when we both crossed the finish line we just were like and it wasn't even like that like it was a half marathon like for some people that's big but it wasn't like you know crazy but just the emotions that you feel of like, you know, like being there and doing something with like, like a group of other people who are out there doing it. And we looked at each other and we hugged, which like before COVID, we, it's a thing we actually did. And I was just like, so happy. And I'm like, damn, I, I, wanna, I wanna do this with other people. Like I wanna do this with other women who have never experienced this before, who may be like scared to travel or like scared to just even like sign up for something like this because it is like, you know, a little scary. And so that was where like my whole like idea to like start this business like started from. Um, and then of course I went through with it during a global pandemic. Like who starts a travel company during a global pandemic? But I was like, you know what? You gotta do it. You just gotta go for it and realize that things will work out. Mm -hmm. So so I think that's like my entire story. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that because I find it all so important to especially really build up to exactly what you are doing now also, which I find so awesome uh, because now you are also, you know, with your business, you are 
bring in women, women along with you to travel to different countries and kind of all over the world to do these races as well. So I find the backstory of, you know, where this all started from to be so important and to see also what these women are now going to receive out of it as well, because they also have been in similar shoes as you have been. And I remember even when we first talked, we ended up getting on the topic about community, you know, and how important it is to have, feel like you could be a part of a community in some sort of way. And as you were sharing your journey, I definitely felt that um, still throughout everything, you know, talking to even your high school and college experience and, you know, by moving so often, it could feel hard to get that sense of community, you know, like feel like you have that maybe like even group of friends or people that you could go to or relate to or things like that. And so as much as, you know, sometimes it could be great to have new and different experiences, it could also be hard to kind of go back down to that core foundation, you know, of like, who am I? What do I love to do? Who do I like to be around? And and things like that. And so I love the fact that now you were able to, you know, use your experiences and now create this community that can also help women who either are going through or have gone through something very similar to you as well. Well, and like I said, I think we're all going through things, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like with me, like it, it might be this, but other people are, are going through things all the time. I think I love Johan Hari says, um, the opposite of addiction is connection because that's what we're all craving, right? Like we, we as humans need to connect with other humans. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just in our DNA. But I think we're set up as a, as a world right now, especially with social media and, and phones and everything where we're losing that connection. Like we're getting further away from each other, you know, through, through this. And, and we need to get back to that. I think like real connection mm-hmm. and you're right. And it's through that, that like, we get to really know ourselves, mm-hmm. right. It's like this never ending process too. I think, you yeah. know, finding what our core values are and, and how they, how we're going to use them to show up in our lives. I mm-hmm. think it's really important. Yeah, definitely. And do you feel like once you, you know, were able to get sober too, is how and when you were starting to be able to feel more connected as well? Oh, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Not only connected to others, connected to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think a lot of us just go through the day, day, you know, just doing the same thing over and over. And I mean, it's, it's how we're set up to live, but but we don't get to like really take time to ask ourselves these questions. Like you said, like, what's important to me? Like, what do I like? Like I had gotten to a point where like, even like asking like, where do you want to go to dinner? Oh, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, no, what kind of food do I actually like? Like, I really don't like, you know, Indian food. So why would I say, I don't care where we go, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, we, it's, it's so important to, to really, um, yeah, ask ourselves those questions. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I felt like, yeah, I was rediscovering myself, you know? Yeah, definitely. That is so awesome. And how do you also feel like travel has been able to maybe change you in some sort of way, or maybe even, you know, you mentioned before pushing you outside of your comfort zone also? Oh man. I mean, anytime you leave, like your home environment, you're getting out of your comfort zone. Like, I don't care how many times you travel, every time you travel, it's gonna, you know, require you to get outside your comfort zone. Even just navigating an airport, like we were talking before we started. You know, there's things that are gonna happen that, you know, they're not comfortable. (laughs) But I think every time you get out of your comfort zone, and I know that's such like a key, like a, cliche phrase to use your comfort zone. I feel like like everybody uses that now, but I mean, it's true. Like that's how you boost your confidence. That's how you boost your self-esteem. That's how you like really get to know who you are. Like how far are you willing to go? What do you, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, new languages, even, even just traveling though, like you don't have to go international or these like, you know, Asia or Africa, like even just traveling to a different state. I mean, that's a big deal. You know, like some people never leave their hometown because that's where they're comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, though, you learn something new about yourself every time you push yourself 
you know, to go a little further. Yeah. And especially traveling in a way I find that, um, you know, like getting vulnerable and like meeting the locals and, you know, going not like necessarily like where the touristy areas are. I mean, that's when you really, you know, really find like what you're made of. Mm-hmm. Don't you find that? Oh yeah, definitely. And that is, I have, I always tell people how that is one of my favorite ways to travel, but it's not the easiest way. That's for sure. You know, you feel like you almost need to do a little even more preparing yourself. Um, and even just going into it, realizing that, okay, this is probably going to be uncomfortable, you know, and I'm going to learn and grow so much throughout this experience. It's not going to be something that you almost feel like is given to you, you know, like maybe if you go to a a more of a touristy area or even a a tourist attraction, then things could also be, you know, also in English or, you know, like somehow things are like given to you a little bit more versus if you were to more live like a local or be with the locals, you have to learn to adapt to their culture rather than them changing things for you. Well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully you do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, exactly. I totally agree. I totally agree. And one of my favorite things to do now is um, like, I love mornings. Like morning time is like my favorite time, especially when traveling, because like, that's when the city is like still kind of asleep, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite thing just to get out. And I mean, I run, so I go for like usually a morning run and just like leave the phone behind. I mean, I bring my phone actually for safety, but like not have a route planned, mm-hmm. you know? And of course, like safety, you know, safety first, especially as a woman traveling alone, that's always important. But, you know, allow yourself the flexibility to just go. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's one of the most important lessons from traveling is like, you can't be too rigid. Like, yes, it's okay to have like a, a certain plan, but allow yourself the flexibility to just like do these things that, you know, you might not do. Like, allow yourself to go down this like street that maybe you don't have on your Google maps and like, just explore, you know, mm-hmm. I know my daughter and I went to Thailand and um, I gave her a day where she could just plan whatever we did, you know, and, and she did that. And it was so cool. She wanted to like go and find all the street art in Chiang Mai. So we spent like the whole, like the whole morning, like five hours, just exploring the city and photographing street art. Mm. Like, and I, how cool is that? You know, yeah. like we never would have seen like a part of that city if, if we hadn't done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes I notice for myself that I'll like put pressure on myself to see all of the, you know, main attractions and, and like, you have to have a very like tight schedule and do this, 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 and this. And then I find myself being more stressed while traveling versus actually absorbing it and enjoying it. So I love that message yeah. because I, I always need to remind myself to like, calm down a little bit, lay back, you know, and just kind of also enjoy being there and not be so, you know, on a, on a strict schedule or so hard on myself to make sure that I hit all of the main attractions. Well, and I mean, can't you say that some of your probably best experiences have happened during those moments of flexibility or even moments of, of, of fear and, you know, uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. Like I know for me, those yeah, are often like the, the moments I like look back on and like remember the most. Yeah, definitely. That is so true. Or even if somebody else just is like, oh, what if we do this today instead? You know, like change a plan, spontaneous actions. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes those are the best moments. <laughs> So I'd love to also hear more about these trips that you have planned as well. So which trips do you have planned? Also, what kind of races are involved and even how do women get involved in it too? Yeah, sure. So um, first of all, the the trips are are alcohol-free trips, but you don't necessarily need to be a person in, you know, so-called recovery to join them. They're just alcohol-free. And I think that's important just for the women who are maybe there in recovery, you know, out of respect. And also, you know, most people don't travel a lot without drinking. Like Mm -hmm. people associate drinking a lot with travel. And so this is just like a new way of like looking like you can have a lot of fun without drinking and traveling, you know? And so um, I just wanted to point that out. But uh, so our first trip is actually going to be taking place, which I cannot believe it's actually happening um, to Iceland in August. 
where we'll be spending a week and we'll be all the trips end with a, a half marathon, but people also don't have to be a runner to join. Like on the trip to Iceland, there are a couple of women who actually aren't running the race, but they're going to be, you know, photographers and uh, mm -hmm. cheerleaders for us. Mm -hmm. um, but they just want to be part of the experience, which I think is super cool too. Um, so yeah, our first trip is to Iceland. And I mean, we've got so many great things planned. We've got the, the tourist thing, which we will be going to the Blue Lagoon because, mm -hmm. you know, you I feel can't like go you to Iceland without right? going to the Blue Lagoon. Mm -hmm. But we also have some really cool like hot springs that are off the beaten track that we're going to go and explore and lots of hiking. Um, and I think the, the important thing, like we don't stay in hotels on these trips because I think it's important to the most important times are when women come together in a safe place where they can just talk, mm. you know? So like at night after dinner, you know, like coming together as a, again, a community and like being able to talk about, you know, what they're struggling with or what they're excited about, or, you know, so I think that's a big part of the, the trips or those downtimes too. Like we're going to be doing a lot of really cool things during the day, but also, you know, at night, it's a time to, you know, build relationships, which mm. is so important. Um, anyway, so that's in August and then in, and it's great that, so August in Iceland is called the midnight sun. So it stays pretty much light until like midnight. Oh, wow. And then in January, we'll be going to Norway, which it'll be the, the midnight, uh, the polar night at that time where it's the opposite. And there'll be maybe a couple hours of daylight during the day, but then we'll be running what's called the, um, polar night half marathon which is just a once in a lifetime experience because you're running it in the middle of the day, but it's going to be pitch blackout. And so they have the race course lit by um, uh, torches, you know, which is just such a cool experience. Like when do you get to experience something like that? And we're going to be going dog sledding and we're, we have uh, where we're staying is right on the river in Tromso, Norway, which is like right on the polar ice cap, you know, way up, way up North. And we're going to be doing like cold water immersion. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, the, no. the Win Hof method. Oh, yes. Where you go from like cold to hot, right? Yeah, yeah. So First we time. have the sauna and hot tub. So, you know, we'll be going from that into the, the, the ice cold water and then back, mm -hmm. which is really cool. And um, yeah, so we've just got a, a lot of cool things planned there. And that's in Norway um, right after the new year. And then in April, we'll be going to somewhere totally different over to Florence and uh, wine country. <laughs> because, like, there are other things to do there, but besides drinking, um, we're going to stay in Chianti for five days at this beautiful villa where we're going to go and um, gather our own herbs and do a course in making our own herbal teas. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be going biking and having a a beautiful picnic like halfway through the bike ride we're going to be vis visiting Siena for a day um the owner of the villa uh makes his own essential oils so he'll be giving us a tour and showing us how you know he makes these essential oils that then he sells in Paris mm -hmm. and then we'll go and spend three nights in Florence where we'll see you know the city and do some running around there and then end with uh, the Florence half marathon Awesome. Oh, that's so cool. I remember when I first like talked to you about these trips, I was telling you, I was like, oh, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the yoga retreats that I love to go on also, but being, you know, on the adventure side also, because yeah. there's a lot of adventure involved, but I love even how you mentioned, um, how at the end of the day, you want to be able to all come together and talk and reflect and things like that. And to me, that's something that's always it's like one of my favorite parts about going on trips like that and going on like a retreat of some sort is I love when we could all come together after, even if it's a busy day or active day, you could all come together and reflect and talk and bond with each other really. And I yeah, feel like those exactly. are like the powerful moments. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because like I said, a lot of, a lot of, especially women, um, like I'm going to make a, a judgment call here, but you know, for women, especially, I think traveling alone, it's a really scary thing, you know, especially if you've never done it before. Mm -hmm. And so like having an opportunity to go away with a group is a good entry point. I think for a lot of people who may never have traveled internationally before, you know, and, and are a little more nervous to do it. And so doing it with in this way is like a nice, like 
entry point, you know, mm-hmm. and then maybe next time they'll feel comfortable to go and maybe, you know, challenge themselves a little more by, you know, going somewhere by themselves or, you know, with a smaller group or planning their own trips, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's so awesome. And of course, every time I have somebody on the podcast where we're talking about travel in some sort of way, I always have to ask this question, which I know can be a very hard question, but do you have any sort of like favorite place that you've been to? Cause I feel like in different conversations that we've had, you've thrown around all sorts of different countries at me. So I feel like you've been to a lot of places. So is there any one or two places that always stick out to you? hundred percent Paris. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, and maybe not just Paris, um, France in general, mm-hmm. like my dream is to take three months and really just like go and explore like all of France. Like I, I just feel an affinity to France for some reason that I, I hopefully will see myself living there in a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I know you mentioned that you also did, was it a double major and you majored or minored in French and I minored in French. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like that was also helpful or maybe even when you were in Quebec, maybe it kind of helped like guide you in that way too? Yeah. And also I just find the French culture just beautiful. And I mean, people like, I think get it, Parisians get a bad rap, I think, because I have always had just the best experiences, you know, with, in, in France in general, especially Southern France. It's just, I mean, to go there and see the lavender fields. I mean, it's an experience everyone should do once in their lifetime. It's a very different. And I feel like, yeah, everywhere you go, all the different regions in France have such a different feel, you know, so that's, that's a dream of mine is to go and explore them all. Yeah. It's funny. And I'll be I... running a marathon there in October, which oh. is like a huge bucket list list item for me. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. This coming October. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's been postponed three times now. So, so hopefully mm-hmm. it'll go forward in October. Yeah. I think it's looking good right now, but we'll see. That's awesome. As you were mentioning that too, I just remembered how I used to work with somebody who she, I might've actually mentioned this to you. I'm not sure. Um, but how she traveled on a boat, um, with her late husband for 10 years, they sailed around the world. And so she's been all over the place. And when I asked, I remember asking her like where her favorite place was like Paris. She loves France and Paris. And I, I almost forgot until you just mentioned that now too. So I find that so interesting. And there's actually, I, I went on like a bus tour a year and a half ago, two years. Oh, maybe it's like two years ago now. Um, and Paris was one of the stops. And so I took some photos there and everything. And one year for Christmas, when I was working with her, I surprised her with a calendar of all photos of Paris and everything. And and she loved it. And she still like has it on her desk, even though it's outdated at this point. Um, but she'll like, tell me that. So now that you've said that, I'm like, wow, that's so interesting because it's like, no matter you could be, you could have gone to Asia, you know, go all over the place and like Paris or France in general, is just like the place. So that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, don't get me wrong. There's like, I have a list so long of, of mm-hmm. place, other places I want to go back to and have loved, but, but yeah, that Paris definitely, France in general definitely sticks out. Yeah. yeah. I'm listening to Harry Potter in French now, just trying to, oh. to get my language back up to where it was. And I'm like, it's an experience. Try listening to a Harry Potter in French. It's so I'll like grab like little bits and pieces, like of their names, like, you know, here and there. That is so funny, man. That has to be like hard, but that is a good idea to, to try that, to see if it brings it back to you also. Well, I think that's the best way to learn a language too. You just got to totally immerse yourself. You know, like you can take courses like for, for years and years, but until like you get and just immerse yourself in the language, I think that's the best way to learn. Yeah, definitely. And are there any places that are still on your bucket list that you haven't been to yet? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Is that list just as long as your favorites list? Like, (laughs) I think, um, I think it's easier to say the places I don't want to go than the places I do want to go. But, but Africa, my mom worked in Africa, um, in Tanzania. So like, I feel like a real draw to go there. Um, Croatia for some reason really, really stands out and hopefully I'll have a, one of our trips going to Croatia next year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd love to go back and explore Southeast Asia more. Like I really love Southeast Asia, Thailand and Malaysia and Indonesia, Vietnam. Like that's, that's really up there. Mm -hmm. I feel like these are all further trips though. Any trip, 
you know, like, and especially like for my business, I feel like Europe is a good starting point. It's an easier, you know, trip, whereas it's another, another leg to go like that far. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so true. Um, I, Africa is like up there high on my list. Also, I just, I want to go on a safari so bad. Um, and I had a goal of going before I turned 30, but then COVID hit and, you know, that kind of made it not happen, but that's okay. It will still happen at some point. (laughs) I'm on my trips. I'll do a trip there. Yeah, definitely. That sounds perfect. (laughs) I love it. We'll be back with our guest in just a minute, but first, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors. Are you a business owner who's having a hard time attracting your ideal clients? Are you feeling overwhelmed and have no idea where to start when it comes to marketing? Are you tired of taking photos for your business with your cell phone? That's why I put together my brand strategy and photography program. This is for entrepreneurs who are ready to take their brands to the next level while attracting their soul clients. That's right, your soul clients. As a marketer and photographer, I help my clients find clarity within their brand, create strategic messaging, and help them represent their brands in the best light possible. This 12-week program does not just help you build your dream brand, but it also provides you with a whole collection of photos to support your marketing. So what are you waiting for? Let me help you feel confident in yourself and your brand. Head over to CaitlinCasso.com or send me an email at hello at CaitlinCasso.com and we'll get you started. And now back to the episode. And so now even talking to, you know, the side of starting your own business, did you ever see yourself starting your own business one day, or was even that maybe something that was a little more outside of your comfort zone? Um, Well, like I said, we had had our own law practice. So I wasn't like the idea of doing something like that wasn't new to me, Mm -hmm. but getting used to all the the logistics that go into starting your own business, that, that was definitely uncomfortable because I am not tech savvy. So, you know, learning how to do a website. And, and also I think one of the most important things was learning what tasks to delegate mm-hmm. that like, you know, knowing what you're, you're, you're not good at and you can hand those things off. Like I was not good at doing my own website. So, you know, I learned to, to give that to somebody who knows how to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, whenever you put yourself out there, right, it's like, it's like scary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, definitely. and starting your own business is definitely like putting yourself out there. And like, I remember like long, opening registration for my first trip. I'm like, what, what if nobody signs up? Mm-hmm. Like, holy crap. Like, what mm-hmm. will I do? And you just got to go for it. Yeah. You just got to go for it. Exactly. And you learn along reading the a way. book. I think it was called um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm-hmm. I think that's the name of it. But I remember she puts this um, idea out there that like when you have this idea and you have this passion, you have this feeling, you know, to do something, if you don't follow through on it, that, and she, I think she, she had this visualization of like a, like a a dandelion, you know, the, the one that you blow on Mm -hmm. white. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, if you don't, when you feel this urge to create something, if you don't do it. It's like you blowing on that. And those little seeds are going to go land somewhere else with somebody else. Because she had said that she had had a book idea for a long time and she didn't follow through on it. And then she was at a bookstore one day and she opened up a book and it was her exact idea. And she's like, those creative like seeds that if they don't land with you, they're going to land somewhere else. And so I was like, I've got this creative seed. If I don't do this, like somebody else is going to, and I'm never going to like, I'm always going to regret that. And now I just don't want to have regrets, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we get one life again, it sounds so cliche, but we've got, got one life. Like what's the worst thing that happens? It fails, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. The, the, the bigger fear is never trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally hear you. And that's something that I, I, especially when I first started my business was something that I kept thinking about. And now it's like, as you continue with your business, it's like, you have to remind yourself that too, you know, like, okay, where, where did I start? Why did I start this? And, you know, reminding yourself that you do only have one life to live. So, okay, okay, let's get back to it. You know, you have to kind of ground yourself sometimes, even while you're in your business as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. 
Right. (laughs) And so now if somebody else were to maybe be looking to start their own business, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh boy. Um, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Go for it and, and find good mentors. You know, find somebody that, that has been through the same thing and, and, and don't be scared to reach out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, if you don't know how to do something, ask somebody else who's already done it. I think that's in, in just in life in general, not just with like starting your own business. I mean, ask for help. People want to help, you mm-hmm. know, if you don't know how to do something, yeah, find out who does know how to do it and go and ask them. Um, and don't let fear hold you back. You know, I think that's one of my favorite quotes is um, by Nelson Mandela. It's may your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think a lot of people have these dreams, you know, and have these ambitions. And, and it's just a fear, fear of failure or sometimes fear of success. Like for me, it was, it was more fear of success, you know, that like looking, not wanting to brag and not wanting to be seen. And you know what? When we allow ourselves to shine and be seen, we give others permission to do the same. So, you know, just go for it and don't be, don't be, don't let fear hold you back. Yeah, that's so true. Delegate, delegate. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All of it is such powerful messaging and you never know who you're inspiring also, you know, by you taking those steps and, and doing what you're passionate about and trying to help others as well. You never know who you're inspiring to maybe make those steps also. Yeah. Yeah. Being vulnerable is hard though. But Mm -hmm. I I think um, you get, you get back way more than you, you know, give up by Mm -hmm. being vulnerable. Right. Exactly. It's so true. And of course, as you know, a big theme of this podcast is all about getting out of your comfort zone. So, you know, everybody's always experiencing moments of getting out of your comfort zone, no matter how small or large a situation might be. So how do you usually push yourself out of your comfort zone? By taking action. Yeah. And I think a lot of, um, I do private coaching too. And a lot of, a lot of people ask me like, so I'm just not motivated. Like, how do you get motivated to do something like, oh, you look like you're so motivated. And I'm like, sorry, that's bullshit. Like, it's, it's not about being motivated. It's about taking action. Like motive action doesn't come from motivation. Motivation comes from taking action. Mm. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be big steps. It's, it's small steps every day. Like, creating habits, figuring out who you want to be in the future, like your future identity, like who, when you think 10 years down the line, who do you want to be? And then working backwards from there, like looking at your daily habits and are they in alignment with that future vision for yourself? You know, it's, it's working backwards instead of the other way around, which I think people get, you know, they're just waiting, waiting to be motivated. And it's not going to happen unless you, you start taking action. Like I said, it doesn't have to be big, just small steps. One of my favorite books I've ever read is called Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've read it. I've heard of it. I haven't read it though. So many people have recommended it to me. Yeah, I think the author is James Cleary, but probably that book has probably had the most impound. Wow, my language just got messed up there. The biggest impact on me, most profound impact. I just combined those two words and created a new word. I love it. Um, I usually do that. So it's fine. (laughs) Maybe it's a French word. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really powerful book. It's a really powerful book. Yeah. All about like how just, just changing our habits, you know, and focusing on um, our future identity instead of like goals. Like most people say, oh, I'm going to like set a goal for myself. And then, you know, like a marathon, I'm going to run a marathon. Right. And I'm going to create this plan. Okay. Well then what happens when that marathon ends like what then so instead of like focusing on being uh running this marathon focus on being a runner in general and then what steps do you take every day to become a runner not just you know a specific marathon Mm -hmm. and that will have the biggest impact on your life yeah oh I like that that is such a great idea I love but I feel like the two kind of combined you know talking about how before you know uh motivation how you're saying how motivation just doesn't come to you. You got to take action first. And then thinking about that as well, like those are such great tips. And now I'm like sitting here just thinking like, oh yeah, okay. I need to like sometimes reframe my thinking. 
when sometimes yeah. I'm sitting there being like, oh man, I just don't feel motivated right now. And like, what do I do? You just got to do something, right? You, sometimes you just got to yeah. like make yourself get up or maybe make yourself get in front of the computer, do something. And then it will, it's like a domino effect. It will continue from there. Yeah. And it's about disrupting. We, we all get into these habits, like, right. These, these brain loops, these thought patterns that we have, and it's about disrupting the thought pattern, disrupting the brain loop. So when you're finding yourself saying, I'm not motivated, I just want to sit here and watch Netflix, like do something to disrupt that brain thought at that moment, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, get up and just go for a walk or do something just to, to get out of that brain loop. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another thought, but now, now it's left me. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> it might come back. <laughs> it might come back. Maybe not. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> awesome. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today that maybe we didn't get to at all? Um, hmm. I think the only thing I really wanted to emphasize is uh, the power of language, mm. you know, and I think, um, like I said, for a long time, that, that fear of being labeled held me from making changes Mm -hmm. and, you know, not just with, you know, the label of alcoholism or anything like that, just, just language in general is really powerful and just watching, you know, how we say things, what we attach to certain things for ourselves and to other people. I think that's just really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And also we're in charge of our own lives, you know, like if, if a word or label works for somebody else, like we don't have to use it. Like we get to choose like how we identify and label ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important thing that people need to know. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that also. You're welcome. And now before we get on to the fast five, I'd love for you to share where people can find you. So my website that I had a wonderful person create for me <laughs> is um, recoveryrunadventures.com. And I'm on Instagram, um, and also just my Facebook page under my, my normal name, Margaret Ward. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, and anyone I'm, I'm open to always people reaching out to me, you know, and sending me a message. And especially if somebody, you know, has a similar story or is, doesn't know where to go, uh, definitely reach out to me. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so now we'll move on to the fast five, where I will ask you a question and you can answer with a word or a phrase that first comes to mind. This is so scary. Well, no, this is fun though. I sometimes like can't monitor what comes out of this mouth. So this will be interesting. (laughs) I love it. All right. So the first question is, what helps you find inner confidence? Not drinking. Mm, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Like some people like think of it when they stop drinking, it's like something I hide for me. It's like, I feel like it's like freaking superpower and I'm super proud of it. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. That's Especially in a world where it's like the norm, you know, mm-hmm. going against the norm is really empowering. Yeah, definitely. That is for sure. And then what or who inspires you? Oh, who inspires me? Um, you know what? People who put themselves out there, mm. like really inspire me. I mean, I, I have a lot of like people like, um, like Glennon Doyle who inspire Glennon, you know, people that people, other people will know. And then there's people like within our She Recovers community that have mentored me that, uh, you know, totally inspire me. Yeah. Seeing other women, especially put themselves out there and take risks you, you inspire me, you know, putting yourself out here and doing this. Like, I just love it. Yeah. Awesome. And what is a hobby that you have outside of your business? Running. (laughs) Um, I'm also very, very into, to puzzles. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I love doing puzzles. I wish I did. I think that's considered a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say so. I've tried sitting down with a puzzle this past year and I, I mean, maybe I should probably do it more to be honest, because I just feel so impatient when I'm doing them. And I'm like, maybe this will teach me patience. And then I stop. So (laughs) I think I need to just try to not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I don't know. I love Sudoku too. Sudoku. And, um, yeah, I, I, and reading, I read everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. And I also as- Netflix though, like I, I'm a huge <laughs> binge, binge watcher too. Well, I feel like 
it's, it's something that it's nice to be able to sit back and just sometimes just be like, okay, calm my mind. Like just relax. It's a good way to relax without feeling like you have to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My husband says that's my superpower binge watching. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And now as a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I wanted to be Nancy Drew. I wanted to be a detective. Mm -hmm. So cool. Crazy. And I read for, for graduation from law school, my mother gave me the entire Nancy Drew series. <laughs> and so I went back and I read one the other, like maybe a year ago. And I'm like, holy shit. I thought these were a lot better than like well-written than they actually are. Like now I'm like, they're so formulatic. I mean, which is great, I guess for that, you know, but like, and just the times they were with, you know, when they were written, it's like mm-hmm. so much has changed. Like, <laughs> That's so yeah, funny. I loved, loved Nancy Drew. <laughs> That's awesome. And now I love asking this question because of being a photographer. So if you could capture one specific moment that represents your life through photograph, what would it be? Um, me running in Paris mm. in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is awesome. And one day you're going to be able to capture that, hopefully this October. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story and your journey. And I'm so excited to share it with everybody. Oh, thanks for having me. That was fun. Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I hope you found some inspiration, motivation, encouragement, and empowerment to get you out of your comfort zone and live your life to the fullest. Make sure to follow, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast at Inspired by Her Story on Instagram. Follow my brand photography on Instagram at Caitlin Casso Creations and come along with me during my travels at Caitlin Casso. Go ahead and share the podcast with a friend and take these stories with you to make the changes in your life that you've been looking for. Stay tuned for the next Inspired by Her Story episode.